You're listening to Me and the Crew with your host, Sean Leverett. Today's guest is Jonathan Rios. Jonathan is a mentor of mine. He's a licensed psychotherapist, author, and men's coach with an adventurous spirit. Jonathan shares his fascinating journey through bungee jumping over the Nile River, dirt biking through the Tanzania, and training with the Navy SEALs. He also discusses his core motivation in life to live courageously, his philosophy on coaching men, and how fatherhood has influenced his work. In this conversation, Jonathan offers valuable insights on how men can overcome their fears, find their purpose, and achieve success in both their professional and personal lives. Like I said, he's one of my mentors. So, without further ado, please welcome my guest, Jonathan Rios. You're on with me and the crew. My name is Sean Leverett, host and founder of this platform. And today I'm on uh, with my guy, Jonathan Rios. Jonathan, say hello to the people, please. What's up, guys, Sean? It's nice to be on with you, man. Yeah, me too, man. And I was just talking offline with Jonathan or off uh, where you guys can hear. And this is just, as you guys know, as we always do, man, just transparent, trying to like, um, trying to inform some people, trying to challenge some people, trying to inspire some people, uh, all those things. And my man Jonathan's doing some amazing things. I'm not going to give you his background because he's going to do all that for us. Um, but it, it's impressive. It really is impressive. So, Jonathan, tell the people what you do, please. Yeah, well, uh, let's see. So uh, I live in South Florida, so I'm a, I'm a beach guy. I've got four <laughs> daughters. I've been married uh, 14 years. And... Um, I'm Puerto Rican by birth. I was born in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Oh, man. Well, but the man, you, bruh, it's one of my favorite places. Oh, for real? Okay. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Well, one of my favorite places. I always tell that because you can do whatever. If you wanted to just go there and chill and be on the beach all day, you could. But if you wanted um, a nightlife to shake it up a little bit and do some other things and dance, you could. But it, it's a beautiful spot, bruh. Oh, yeah, man. It's it's called the Island of Enchantment. There's a lot yeah. of kind of yeah. the Wild West down there, but. Um, and then, you know, like for, for work, I, uh, I have a private practice. So I'm a licensed psychotherapist in the state of Florida, which basically just means that I'm, uh, I'm licensed to treat mental health issues ranging from re- relationships to addiction to trauma, uh, depression, things like that. <clears throat> and um, also have some other programs designed for men, uh, two specifically. One is, is the Rite of Passage program, which is a an eight-week process I take men through, and it culminates in a in a 24-hour non-stop crucible event, which is like a, mm. a mixture between training and paramilitary-style training, hand-to-hand mm. combat training, and, and that's how you cap it off and you finish the rite of passage. I've also got a, a mountain course, which is called the Primal Course, and that's a mixture of basic survival skills and summiting mountains and some deep psychological work and, and some competition, and that's in a beautiful location in the Blue Ridge Mountains. So yeah. that's what keeps me busy. Yeah, yeah, man. I, you know, and just you know, one of the things that that caught my my eye and my ear just watching you on social media, listening to you, man. You're a humble cat. You know, you've you've done some things and been a part of some things, and you are doing some things. And you know, you don't have to speak on them because those things speak for themselves. But you're a humble cat. I don't see you beating your chest, and you know, bragging about you know, look at me. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show today. So backtracking to how you introduce yourself. Um, what's the difference between, for those of us who don't know, the difference between a psychotherapist, a psychologist, and a psychiatrist? Or is yeah. there a difference? Yeah, that's a good question. A lot of people are confused about that. Mm-hmm. So uh, real simple, 
a psychiatrist is technically an MD and they can prescribe medications. All right. So um, they have their schooling might be uh, different. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Where a, um, a psychologist typically specializes in assessments. They, they assess people. They, they also specialize in research typically. Uh, they also may do some face-to-face counseling, but for the most part, they, they really kind of niche in assessments and research. And a psychotherapist tends to do the ground level work. That's where we're meeting with people face-to-face, meeting with families, working on the, 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 the mental game, the, the relationship game, the spiritual game. And that may include conversation. That may also include behavioral things where we're actually doing things outside of the office with the client. So that, that would be the, the, the delineation between the three. Sure. Okay. And just for, for my knowledge, how did you decide on that? Um, how did I end up in the psychotherapy field? Yeah. yeah. What, what, what was that? What was that journey like? Yeah. You asked me that question in the email and I was like, man, what was it? Cause I, do, I get that question from time to time and looking back, bro. Um, I was just kind of a wild, a wild guy. Like I, I trained with the Army at Military Academy for four years and got my undergrad degree. Um, and then when I, when I left, when I te- technically graduated or discharged, I was like, I don't want, I don't want any responsibility or anybody to control me. Mm-hmm. So I traveled the world. I played, uh, I played some, some second division uh, soccer here in America, and then I went and played in Europe for two years. Um, I drove a motorcycle. I lived on people's couches. I, I went to Africa. I, you know, I, I, I lived in Africa for five, six months. I lived in the Dominican Republic. I was just all over the place, just trying to live, man, trying to just uh, see the world and, and <laughs> have that itch, that hunger, yeah. travel. But then I, I met my girl and um, started thinking differently. I started thinking about what it means to be a husband, what it means to be committed. And I, I started to become, I, I would say, uh, more selfless where I was like, I want to sacrifice for her and I want to, yeah. I want to build a life. And then I started that, that got me thinking about, man, like, okay. So like, what, what does it look like? For, what kind of career makes me come alive? And and I always just had a natural uh, interest in helping others. In, in particular, I was really drawn to addicts hmm. for some reason. I probably, I mean, later to, to find out later, my grandfather was a heroin addict. He died of AIDS, contracted HIV through needles Mm-hmm. Um, I, my, my mom's whole lineage is, is rife with addiction. I wrestled with some substance, uh, abuse over the years and, um, just had a, had a natural drift towards that. I loved, I always kind of had a love for watching people experience breakthrough. Yeah. yeah. Just watching people break out of stuff, man. And like overcoming their demons and, you know, putting their past behind them and gro- growing in confidence. So I would say that that's kind of how it, how it all happened. Wow. Okay. Yeah. See, man. Um. And I always ask for a bio. Um. And the reason I mean I ask for it from everybody. I asked, my first episode was with my oldest son, and I know him inside and out. But I wanted a bio from him, just in case there are some things that kind of fall through the cracks that you don't um that you don't normally know about that individual. And some of the things I know, man. I know about you playing soccer. I believe in Ireland. I, I know I know you played it overseas and, you know, I knew about the military thing. I knew about the jujitsu thing. And I was like, you know, the guy's kind of living, not like me, but I, I, I understand that kind of niche where you just have no, <laughs> just, just no regard for, no regard for safety. <laughs> <laughs> 
and that would that was me, man. That that, that was me um, as a youth. But I, I had some anger issues that I had to, and I won't even say grow out of, but um, b- blessed enough to be here long enough where I finally got it. Mm-hmm. So because if it were up to me, I would have went left every time. Mm-hmm. Left left was more exciting. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I was listening. I was looking at it, man. I was like, okay, we want definitely want to touch on that. And so, how did he go from? you know, bungee jumping and dirt biking and all these other <laughs> things, you know, to, to, to girl dad and, you know, stay at home dad and want to help others. I, I wanted to hear what that transition was like. I also want to touch on, man, and we're going to get into how you go, how you got your girl to okay or sign off on you um, fostering, was it 13, 13 boys? That's correct. Yeah, we over the course of some years we fostered thirteen teenage boys. Yeah, right. Yeah. So we we definitely want to touch on that because that that in itself is motivational. Because I know we talk about uh, adopting even at this age, maybe a little later um, in a few years. But um, and I just want to hear how how that went, that conversation went. But let, let let's talk about your adventurous days, man. What what was that like, and what was that about? Where that where that drive come from? Yeah, that drive probably came from. Two sources. One is uh, when I was 17, I almost killed my best friend in a, in a bad car accident. We flipped five times. Okay. He, flew, he and another friend of mine were ejected. He flatlined five times. I, I held his hand while in a pool of blood for until the ambulance got there. And he huh. was in ICU for a long time. And and that that should I mean it's a miracle that he's alive. We're still best friends. In fact, he has four daughters as well. Okay. Um, his, yeah, his name is Mike. Uh, but. That really impacted me. You 17 year old kid and you know, you're watching your best friend basically die in front of you. And I, and um, I walked away from that going, man, life is fragile. Mm-hmm. Like this, this thing's limit, this time is limited. And I had this at the same time, I kind of, I remember reading uh, John Eldridge's book, um, Wild at Heart and just the, the core need for men to have adventure. And mm-hmm. I knew, I just, I just prayed, I'm like, God, I, I guess the one thing I don't need a mansion. I don't need a yacht, I, but I want to have an adventure. Yeah. You know, like, and, and money's great. And I want that too. But, but that, that was just a deep core desire of mine, you know, life short, it's uh, got to go for it. And so that, that, that helped. And then also going to military Academy VMI is known as one of the most Spartan military training, um, universities in, in the, in the world really. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Man, it was just it was just really a really hard four years, bro. Like I thought about quitting every day. Yeah. And um the training was excellent and the education was excellent. It's just a very difficult environment. When I graduated, I I wanted freedom. <laughs> yeah, I get that. <laughs> so that I you know, I, I stopped shaving. <laughs> I, I, grew, I grew dreadlocks. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, bro. I, I stopped right. making my bed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that that's kind of how it how it went, man. And um, and and I just I knew I needed I knew I needed to see the world and and just see what see what was out there. So that that was uh yeah, man. I got on a flight. I I didn't actually. I mean, I could I'll spare you some of the details, but um, I had I knew I was supposed I knew I was supposed to play ball. Mm-hmm. And and so um, I didn't have any connections in Europe, but I always wanted to play in Europe. Hmm. So I I just got I booked a flight. I didn't have much money. I booked a flight with the intention I'm taking my gear. I'm gonna land in Dublin, and I'm gonna knock down doors until I get a tryout with some of the local teams. Hmm. 
And uh, I went into a pub a couple days into it. And man, I was just, I was just bold. I was scared, bro. I was trembling on my flight over, but <laughs> I didn't have any, I didn't know anyone over there, you know? And um, right. I just knew I wanted this and I felt like God was, God was with me. So I, uh, I, I went into a pub one day and man, I, I, I got a, I got a Guinness and I ta- started talking to the bartender and I was just like, look, bro, here's my resume. I play ball in States and I'm looking to try out for, for I'm looking for, for a team. Mm-hmm. What who are the local teams and where do I go? And he was like, we'll be in touch. And I'm like, what do you mean you'll be in touch? <laughs> so we'll be and I was like, this, this guy's a joke. Well, two days later, I get a knock on my door and it's this old man. And mm-hmm. He's like, are you Johnny? I said, yeah. He said, do you bring your gear? I said, yeah. He said, I'll pick you up tomorrow. Be ready. 10 a.m. So oh, I'm man. like, I have no idea. Maybe I'm going to go watch a local team or something. He picks me up. I go. They put me uh, in the team bus. The team's got an away game at another stadium. Oh. And I'm like, with the team. <laughs> okay. And, and, uh, and it was great. I was like, hell yeah. Like I'm on the bus with the team. And, um, the guy's name was Basel and he actually became a, a really good mentor and a friend, but he was, he ended up, he was the team, uh, kit manager. So he took care of the, the, the gear and, and, and massages and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And, um, anyways, it turns out we are in the quarterfinals of the Irish cup. This team has made it. They're underdogs. Shoot. We okay. made it to the quarterfinals of like, the entire country of Ireland is competing for this one cup, all the different divisions. There's like five different divisions. We're second division. We've made it into the, this far into the tournament. We're huge underdogs and mm-hmm. we're playing against a team. That's a, a primary, a, a first division team. And um, man, and, and I'm just stoked just to be there. And then they throw me a, a uniform. Like they're going to let me dress out with a team, which doesn't happen. This is like, this never happens. Right. This, this only happens in movies. So yeah, I'm dressed out with a team and they're letting me warm up with the team. I'm like, dude, this is great. They're probably just watching my touch and seeing <laughs> what I'm like. That's, that's my assumption. Right. So I'm watching these guys play. The game starts. I'm watching these guys play. I'm on the bench and I'm like, dude, I can play with these guys. Hmm. Like I was like, bro, I can, I can score. Like I could, I could play with these guys. Right. And they watched me warm up and, and they watched me play with kids and warm up. You're doing little scrimmages and things. And I guess I impressed them. Half time goes by. He gives a rousing speech. It's tied nil nil. Um, we go into the second half, and he, he puts me in 15 minutes into the second half. Oh shoot, okay. bro! I lost my mind. I was like, "You're joking! You're joking! <laughs> this does not happen." And he's like, "We're we're gonna give you a shot. Get warmed up." So he puts me in. I go in. I play my ass off. Right. I almost score three different on three different occasions, and like I've I've won I've won the team over already at this point. Cause I, I mean, dude, I was, I hustle, bro. I'm not, I don't, I go 110%. I get it. And, um, and then we go into extra time and a penalty shootout. We win the penalty shootout. We beat this first division team. Everybody goes wild. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> and like, you know, I, I, they all like, I just, I got, they accepted me into the tribe and, and uh, I was one of the few well, they'd never had a Puerto Rican on their team. So um, <laughs> and just kind of became my, my second family while I was living in Ireland. Oh, man. Yeah, no, that, that, that is a story. Bro, that was, yeah, man. I, I, I love it, bro. That was, no, it, was no, like no, a, it was like a, it was like a blessing. It was short a player. It wasn't like, you know, our quarterback got hurt like it would be in football. We have no backups. Anybody else here played quarterback in elementary school? We need you. They, they just, they just threw you in there. How cool is that? 
Yeah, it never happens. I, mean, I think it was probably based on my some of my my past resume and 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 some of the coaches I'd played under and stuff like that. But um, yeah, dude, that that probably would never happen today. This yeah. was this was close to, gosh, how how long ago? This was this was when I was about twenty five. I'm I'm forty two now, so this was a while back. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I, that's that's a cool story, bro. <laughs> that's a cool story. So let, let's okay. Let's see. Let let's fast forward a little bit. So you lose that niche when you meet your girl or your future wife, correct? How how far how far along was that, or did something, or did, what else transpired in between that time and the time in which you met your missy? Yeah. So I I left Ireland. I was injured. Came back. Was having trouble landing a new contract. And then um, a mentor was like, "Bro, it's time." He was like, there's always going to be another scouting opportunity, another tryout. Mm -hmm. You've got to come up with a final date when you're done. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, and I remember kind of coming to the realization this is done because that's all I'd ever – that's all I'd done since I was six years old is play okay. ball. Okay. And, uh, man, I wept, bro, because that was my identity. Yeah. You know? Um, mm -hmm. And I, I would have – I probably would have told you back then if you would ask me, hey, like, who are you or what do you do? I'd be like, I'm a soccer player. Soccer player, right. But but that was something I did. That's not who I was. But I didn't. Yeah. I didn't oh, man, bro. Oof. I didn't yeah. get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we could discuss that because that's that's a creed I live by. I talk to youth all the time because I'm, I'm a reformed knucklehead. I'm an ex-gangster, ex-drug dealer, all those things. You wouldn't know it looking at me. But the things in which I've done in my past have molded me into the man that I am today. And that's why it's open doors for me to talk to presidents to but yeah what you did and who you are are two totally different things and you got to be able to in my opinion you have to be able to see it that way just to move forward um and be careful who you surround yourself with who won't let you grow because they see you as what you did and not who you are so i, I agree with that 100 percent, man and but we're not here to talk about me we're here to talk about you hey. so <laughs> go ahead brother i'm, I'm listening no, that's good, man. I, I, I agree with you. Um, I think the identity piece is a, I think it's, we throw around that word and, 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 and I think it is the crux issue. Yeah. I think until you know who you are, mm -hmm. the world will tell you who you are and you will be lost. Yep. This is true. This man, you know? bro. Yeah. Preach. And that, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show, man. I was listening to uh, some of your empowering words and I thought, you know, men need to hear this. You know, women are, are taught. I mean, since whenever the only time, in my opinion, the only time it is okay for a male to be in his feelings is when he has a vocabulary less than 50 words. You know, as, as a kid, it's okay for you to cry. It's okay for you to be upset. It's okay for you to be, Injury, all those things. But mm -hmm. as the older you get, the more it's, society frowns upon it. Mm -hmm. it you know, mm -hmm. we, we are taught to suck it up. We are not taught to be transparent. We are not taught to show our feelings. We are not taught to show our hurts. We are not taught our concerns. Um, and that I know that was my experience growing up where I would I would just hoard what I was feeling. And it made me an angry kid. And I didn't know it, but I, I was always searching out a fight. I was always, it doesn't, didn't mean I always want to fight, but you know, I was always searching out a fight. And fortunately, I grew up in a time where the people who I've wanted to fight took it easy on me because they were always bigger than me. I, I, I never picked a fight with somebody who was smaller on me where I looked like I could win. It was, I had, it, it was like I searched out a challenge 
Mm. So if you ever heard the words, what? And you heard it with that kind of tone, we were done. <laughs> we, we were done talking and we were fighting. And when I look at it now, you know, fortunately, like I say, they took it easy on me where they, you know, they still punch me back or some of those other things, but they didn't kill me or stomp on me or, and once it was done, it was done. It was, like I say, it was a different time. So once you came out of that, it's like, we cool? It's like, yeah, we're okay. And everything went back to being normal. But I had these anger issues that I did not know at that time where they came from. And throughout the years, I've come to find out where those things harbored their energy, how they were, you know, planted in me, how, how they festered in me and how they grew out of me and the consequences of those things. And because of that, I lost a lot of relationships, um, a lot of lost a lot of business opportunities, lost a lot of focus and just time. Mm. So yeah, I, I agree with you, man, with, um, with, with, with just like, you know, trying to inspire, trying to inspire those who are coming up, brother, because we don't do that enough, in my opinion. 100%, man. Yeah. The emotion thing is a funny, I think that's an interesting topic because, uh, you know, everybody's got like a, you there, Sean? Yeah, I'm here. I'm listening, bro. Okay. My, my, my computer just went, uh, sleepy mode, but, um, so yeah, man, I, I think people have different, uh, when they hear the word emotions, some men automatically think of weakness mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. some men automatically think that's for girls, mm-hmm. uh, or some men, uh, think, um, it's, you know, we need to just be these fire hydrant, uh, uh type men that just share all our emotions and talk and, and dive into the deep end with those things. And, and I think there's a, there's a, there's a medium, there's a, there's a space in there um, that we need to explore. And, and basically that would be this emotions aren't, aren't male or female. They're just human. Mm-hmm. Right. It, right. It, it's not a female thing. It's not right. a male right. thing. It's like, it just is. It, it's right? a human thing. You're right. It's, it's a human, human thing. thing. And, and it t- men tend to display emotions a little bit differently than females might as they, as they get older. Right. But generally speaking, emotions can be data points. Like they, they can inform you of things if you'll pay attention to them. Yeah. They can, they can also be inflamed, hmm. right? Just like you, you sprain your ankle and get real big. Yeah. Uh, your emotions can be inflamed. Case in point, um, rage. Rage would be an inflamed emotion. Yeah. Emotion. Right. Um, you know, like complex grief would be inflamed grief. Hmm. So, hmm. Uh, yeah, man, I, I, a panic attack would be inflamed anxiety. So, yeah, man. So just like your ankle or your, your shoulder can, can be out of socket or dislocated. It's the same with emotions. And, and, and so, um, a lot of us haven't been taught that, that emotions are normal and we haven't Mm -hmm. been taught how to regulate them, Mm. like how to, how to really, uh, use them as they're meant to be used to enjoy Mm -hmm. them as they're meant to be enjoyed or to put them on a shelf when they need to be put on a shelf. Yeah, with with, with what you do, man, um, and, you know, I, I don't know anybody else in your field, with what you do, but what's, what, what's just dipping into that? What's, what's it like for men to come to you? How hard is it? Do you think it is you and let you know that they're struggling with these things emotionally? Not, not what they're showing on the outside, not the physical prowess or what they're, what they're used to displaying, but just like, you know, Hey, hey, John, I'm, I'm struggling with, I'm, I'm struggling with this mentally. I'm struggling with not being able to see my kids the way I want to. I'm struggling with um, being there, but not being available. 
But what's 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 that like, man? On where from where from your viewpoint, how how is that with men? Yeah, well, I'll, um, I, I think generally speaking, most men don't seek help until they hit enough pain. Mm-hmm. It's not like most. It's not like most men have a have an experience while journaling and suddenly get insight and realize they want to go talk to somebody. It's usually, right. it's usually um, they got the DUI or their girl's mm-hmm. gonna leave or yeah. they, they're so addicted to porn now they they lost their job or yeah. it's usually like a tipping point, okay. you know, yeah. and and so at that point, oftentimes they, they, they're desperate and um, they're, 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 op- you know, desperate, desperate people tend to be more open. Right. Right. Yeah, uh, when you're right. Drowning, you tend to be open to someone throwing you a lifesaver. Um, but uh, it's also worth noting, bro, like, and I want your listeners to really slow down and hear this. Um, we, there's, we, we are a mixed bag. Like, uh, I, I call it civil war, internal civil war. Like we want to be physically fit, but mm-hmm. we also love cheeseburgers, pizza, and beef. <laughs> you, you know, yeah. We want to be spiritually deep, but we like trashy television on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. We want to be, uh, you know, like we we want we want to be in a deep monogamous, loving, committed, hardcore, faithful relationship. But we're also attracted to everything with legs. <laughs> it's like, well, what's going on here? Yeah, right? And so it's like, well, oh, we, it's confusing because people are like, man, I want to change and I want to be here, but I also don't. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. you got to articulate that. Like there's parts of me that actually don't want to change. There's parts of me that like familiarity and like comfort. Mm-hmm. And there's parts hmm. of me that that really just enjoy the sadistic cycle that I'm in. Hmm. And people oh, have a hard time admitting that, but when you kind of probe a little bit, it's like, bro, yeah, you just, you, it's civil war. Yeah. Right. Internal. But so we got to, we got to kind of peel back the layer a little bit and go, and, and here's the cool thing. Unless you're sociopathic, mm. most people, when you just, especially men, you look them in the eye and go, bro, I know what you want. You want to be the kind of man that other guys look upon and go, this guy's dependable. You want to be the kind of man that's honorable. You want to be the kind of man that doesn't quit when it gets hard. You want to be a finisher, right? You want to be a virtuous man full of courage, don't you? And it's like, at the end of the day, most guys are like, well, yeah, that, that's, yeah. I do want to be that guy. Right. Yeah, I want, you want to be a hard worker who gets shit done. Yeah, I want, that's right. Hmm. You want to be a leader. You want to like, you don't want to be a follower. You want to lead. You want to trailblaze. And mm. guys, like, yeah, well, I'm scared, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to get there. Well, so so the, I call those like core, those are core desires that you're hardwired for. Right. But there's a battle to get there. There's a there's a war, a civil war. And just because you have fleeting temptations doesn't mean that's what you really want. Like, I'll see a beautiful girl down the street, but that's not what I want. What I want is my woman. At home, Right. <laughs> I mean, I can notice beauty, but that's all that that is. That's just beauty. And mm-hmm. I, it's like it's like you notice a beautiful painting and you call it's like you go to the Eiffel Tower. Man, that's that's gorgeous architecture. And you just right. notice it. Uh, but just noticing doesn't mean that it's what I want. Right. What I really mm-hmm. want. Are my are those virtues and what I really want is my woman. Mm-hmm. Right. And at yeah. a deeper level, bro. I mean, I, I could get a little bit more philosophical, but at a deeper mm-hmm. level, I think, and this will this will sound maybe sound weird, but I think what we really long for is God. Hmm. I think 
we see beauty in the nature and it's yeah. like it's like a shadow it's a shadow what's if you if you if you follow the source right all the way to the light right what created what created that beauty that you're seeing if you follow to the source you'll land at the source and mm -hmm. women women in my view are like like uh, they hint at the beauty of god like and that can sound weird for some guys but i i, I get it right so i get that yeah yeah, man, that, that's kind of, I think we're all hungry for things we don't know we're hungry for. Wow. So, okay, so from, from that standpoint, man, that, that sounds, and just, I'm not, saying, <laughs> I'm not saying it's not worth it by any means, because that's how that was going to come across. I was like, so how do you start there? As, as, as a man, I'm, I'm coming to you, and I, and I give you what's on my mind or what's on my heart or what my struggles are, and you come back with all the things that you just said and what's the root what rootly what what am i um, searching out your response to, to that would be what like what what are men searching for is that yeah kind yeah, of if, 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 yeah because if, if they don't really have a relationship but they don't feel spiritually connected if they don't yeah, yeah. You know, and they don't and I, I would assume that that could be a sticking point for some where they might and it's just you know the way we comprehend things the way we understand things the way we can apply them you know, if I if I don't if I don't believe in the Bible, man, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if if I don't have a relationship with anything spiritually, but you're telling me I want to be closely connected to God, how right. do I how do I get there? Yeah, well, um, what I, I would I would direct you actually to uh, Victor Frankel, who was a Holocaust survivor. He wrote a famous mm -hmm. book called Man's Search for Meaning. You may have right. heard of it, but I mean, his big thing was um, men. All humans are hunger for meaning. We all want to matter. Mm -hmm. I want to matter. Yeah. I want to. I. I, I want to feel significant. I want to feel like what I. My existence actually means something. It matters, and um, and so we we tend to go about that in different ways. But generally speaking, the way that I, I'd say the way that I live and the way that I try to help others, uh, get in touch with meaning is, if um if there is a creator. And the creator creates these machines called humans. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, and humans are trying to figure out their function. Like, why do they exist? Do I exist just for sex? Do I exist just to make money? Do I exist to build buildings? Do I exist to travel the world? Like, why do I exist? Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes, humans go to other humans to find out why they exist. But mm -hmm. other humans aren't their creator. Yeah. And oh, so those, those machines called humans have to turn to their creator, the, the great, I call, let's call it the great architect. And I had to go, hey, like, what's my function? Why am I here? Why do I exist? Why at this time in history was I born? Yeah, and what yeah. am I supposed to do? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, like, unless you get that question answered, you kind of flounder, you kind of just go, well, I think I'm supposed to be a banker. And that's hmm. my meaning. And it's like, well, I not knocking that, but I think there's much more to you than just the job that you do or the role that you play. Yeah. Right. So for me, it's like, I do believe there's a, a creator. I do believe God is real. I do believe every human has a purpose. I do believe also that some people don't live their purpose because they're out of alignment with who they are. Yeah, I agree with that 100 percent that I agree, man. Hmm. Wow. OK. All right. All right. Yeah, I've, I've been one of those men where I was searching and didn't know uh, didn't know I was searching because I didn't know what I was looking for. Um Ah, man, that's wow. That's I'll add this too. I'll add this too, man, because, you know, some people have had, they've had 
bad they've had bad experiences with let's quote unquote say religion or with spiritual people and now they have a grid and they go if god if god is real and god's like that i don't want anything to do with that mm. and so they throw the baby out with the bathwater yeah i get that they don't realize they're doing it but they picked up a grid they picked up a lens for example when i was in high school my high school girlfriend cheated on me and i had a i basically adopted a subconscious narrative that said girls are bad yeah <laughs> and that was the lens that was the lens that i wore for years and it it actually hurt a lot of my future relationships because if you go into a relationship with girls are bad yeah then it ain't going to go well for you yeah true but it's because i went through pain i went through a bad experience and then i was wearing a lens and i had to get the get rid of the lens i had to basically get some healing so i could see women as they are not as i thought they were wow yeah. And we need to see God as God is, not as we think God is, and not as we were told by somebody who was abusive or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, or try to push it on us. It's like, no, like that was a misrepresentation. Here's another way of thinking about it. If you went into a room later today and you heard a man playing, uh, playing a piece by Beethoven, and he was, it sounded horrible, mm -hmm. and he was botching it big time, mm -hmm. you would, you wouldn't then think, well, Beethoven was a horrible musician. You would wow. go, this guy sucks at music. <laughs> He's messing up Beethoven's music. Right. But you don't blame Beethoven. I get that. You don't blame Beethoven. Wow. Man. Exactly. Uh, good point. Good, good point. Good point, bro. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, man, there, I knew there's a reason I had you on this, man. Yeah. There, like the pod, this podcast for me is therapeutic and it came about, I've, I've been dragging my feet on it for more than a year easily. I have a background in Muay Thai kickboxing. I've been a personal trainer for more than 30 years doing what I do. Um, wow. But but I've always enjoyed coaching and talking and motivating. I just enjoy connecting people because in the end, for me, that's all this is about. Um, but I was involved in a car and I, I had prayed. I was, I was praying. This is how, you know, you got to be specific in your prayer life for those of you who don't know. I was like, okay, gotcha. <laughs> but show me the next step in my podcast. And he was like, okay, well, you just need to be still. In my, it's like you need to be still. You need to listen. You can. These are the things you need to do. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. And I, me being me, I, I would barter. Like, okay, God, I'm gonna do that, but I'm gonna do this first. Mm. Okay, well, I hear you, but okay, but I'm gonna. Okay, once I finish this, then I'm gonna come back and do what you asked me to do. Mm. Okay. So driving around um, in January, got into a bad car accident. Had just dropped off my son at school. I mean, literally, like less than five minutes. And car ran a red, ran a red light in intersection. I have a uh, three misplaced disc in my back and a tear in my left wrist as we speak, but mm. I'm good. No, no, man. I'm, I'm good, bro. If you know my history, I'm good. But what did I have to do? That made me do what? Be still. What did that do? That made me refocus. I couldn't concentrate on my clients anymore. I couldn't concentrate on anything else I had going on. I needed time to heal. That is how this podcast came about. And that is how you and I are talking right now, man. So that 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 connection where you're talking about seeking out God, whether you realize it or not, or wanting to know God, whether you want, whether it's right there in, in the physical presence or not, th this is how that came about. This is what I prayed for. This is why you and I are talking today, along with the other um, people I've had on the show. And I, I want to inspire people. Uh, the idea is to connect some people, to give them options and where they they can see things differently um mm -hmm. and you talked you talked about a grid 
and I get that, you know, it, it has nothing to do with whether you, you're you thumping a Bible or anything like that, but you definitely need to realize there's something greater than you. Mm-hmm. If the, even to just start, even to just start, you know, that there's something that's going to be pushing me. There's going to be days in which I'm tired where I just do not have it. You have to focus and remember why, why you are doing it. And who's, who's giving you these gifts? Who's giving you these talents? And are you utilizing? Because if you're not utilizing them, why? Why not? Why not? My mom mm-hmm. used to say there are more talented people in the graveyard and the jailhouse than any other place in the world. Mm. Wow. You know? So because people took those talents with them and they're not going to be able to utilize them in society the way they could have been utilized. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm thankful for you for what you're doing with this, man. And we're, we're nowhere near done. I'm not trying to end the interview at all. But oh, I, you're I, good. <laughs> yeah, that's, just, that's just me ramping up a little bit, bro. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about, um, I, I know you talked about being undomesticated, correct? Yeah, correct. Let, let, let's talk about that, man. Because that, that caught me. I was like, okay, does he mean he doesn't want to be at the house? What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> let, let, yeah. let's, let's talk about that, man. Okay. Yeah, man. So, um. Uh, let's let's frame it this way. Uh, whether we realize it or not, we live in a time of great decadence. Decadence is yeah. extreme abundance, extreme mm-hmm. luxury, time mm-hmm. of extreme entertainment. I can hit a button and have food delivered to my front door in a couple minutes. I can entertain myself with Netflix at any moment. Um, I can even work from home. I don't have to hunt my own food. I can flip a switch, electricity and hot water. I, you know... I, I have kings of past generations who could only dream of this. <laughs> right. I, most of us don't even know how to farm or, you know, garden or how to prepare our own meat. Like we just, here. it's done for us. We're, We're like, here. we don't realize it, but we live in a time of decadence and abundance. Now You're it doesn't here. mean that you live in a mansion, but the kings of old would kill to live in your house that, where you have mm-hmm. AC and running water. They would think your house was the bomb. So that being said, <laughs> that being said be, what happens to people when they live mm-hmm. in a great abundance and entertainment and decadence is they begin to decay and they begin to get soft. They're lazy. I agree with that. Right. They don't realize it's happening. But what happens to people who only eat ice cream and cake and pizza is they get fat and they get out of shape and they get diabetes and their teeth rot and they die. Wow. Right. So when we live in times of extreme luxury and abundance, unless we are aware of it and unless we resist it by becoming undomesticated, Mm -hmm. right, by 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 moving outside the bounds of what normal civilization tells you is okay, Mm. Right. Now, decadence also implies moral decay. Mm. So where where we used to have reverence for. Uh, children, or we used to have reverence for for the other sex, or we used to have reverence for other men. We used to have reverence for our leaders. We used to be careful about how we spoke about other people. Uh, gosh, even 150 years ago, if you spoke badly about another man, he could call you out and have a duel with you and yeah. kill you. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. Right? So yeah. you weren't just throwing stuff on the internet, slandering people, because that guy could shoot you, right? Yeah. Because you slandered him and called him a coward or whatever. And it's just a different time and we're in it and it's just our normal. But if you stand in a sewage long enough, you forget that it smells. Yeah, true. Wow. 
So when I talk about being undomesticated, what I basically mean is uh, you live in, in a decadent time. And unless you turn around and swim against the current by becoming undomesticated, by detaching from what normal, the normal culture is telling you the narrative that it's okay to just overindulge in luxury and entertainment. And it's okay to just always seek pleasure. It's okay to take the path of least resistance. Those are all lies. Yeah. And it takes a kind of a, it takes a man tapping into a woman too, but tapping into the, the primal self, the part of you that knows, Hey, maybe, maybe the path of least resistance is where you go is where your soul goes to die. Right. And I don't want anything to do with that. And, and here's the thing. Um, uh, the, the easy road never makes legendary men. Mm, true. Right? True, Every legendary true. man that we ever, we've ever looked up to, they stood for something. Yeah. They, which means they stood against some things. Right? <laughs> they swam against the current. Martin Luther King, against the current. Uh, William Wallace, against the yeah. British crown. Yeah, Jesus true. Christ, against modern religion and modern politics. I mean, you name uh, George Patton, against the Nazis. Again and again and again and again. And these are the, the these are the type of uh, prototypes or uh, archetypes that we could look to and go, well, if they could do it, if they could be undomesticated, I can do it and I must right. do it. Wow. 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 Man. Bruh. Yeah. Wow. OK. Yeah. I'm 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 oof. OK. <laughs> <laughs> no, the wheel wheels are turning, man. And that's that's all it is, bro. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right, but the, the the leadership style that you have, and just you know, just trying to get some background information on you a little. Would, would you say that was derived from your time in the military, or was that fostered somewhere else? Uh. Well. So, hmm, it's probably it's a combination. I mean, my father is is has always been a good father, and he's always mentored me, and he's still in my life, and we just went on a trip together, and he's still the guy that I look to for advice and counsel oh, when man. I need it. How cool is that? Do you right? Uh huh. I mean, he came out of a, his father was, he came out of a rough childhood and my dad, my dad was just a great dad and still is. And so that, being mentored by my father's been of, of, who knows, I, I'll never understand how, how blessed I am mm -hmm. um, compared to a lot of other men. But I've also had a lot of great other, other mentors who have taught me, like I've come kind of mimicked their style. Like I've, yeah. I've trained with Navy SEALs, mm -hmm. I've trained with. Uh, snipers. I've trained with uh, professional coaches who Olympic level coaches. Um, I've, I've been mentored by pastors. I've been mentored mm -hmm. by other clinicians, uh, local really respect. And, and um, I try to combine all that stuff and, and then combine that with being undomesticated and trying to be faithful to what I believe is true and good and right. right. And um and then, you know, my wife, my wife helps, to, she helps to temper me down sometimes, but um, <laughs> yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah, man. So I'd say it's a, it's a, it's a mixture. Yeah. But it, it's, you know, and that's, that, that's weird. It, it took me a long time to get that because the things that I longed for uh, as, as a kid for my father, my, my father just wasn't in a position to give and it had nothing to do with monetary monetary means it had everything to do with just kind of um 
fueling and then sowing life and breathing, you know, breathing confidence into your spirit. That just wasn't who he was. You know, my pops led by example, which means for him, it meant nothing less than getting up and going to work every single day. Um, and that that was it for him. He didn't talk to us. And there's nothing, you know, that's just where he was. But much like yourself, you know, as I looked back on it, as I started getting older, there was always somebody there who had a hand on me who I could look to and be like, I got, I, I hear you. Someone I would listen to and I'd be like, I hear you. You know, um, Sheriff Carradine, who was the only black sheriff in, in our community, you know, mm. he'd always, and he called me red. He'd always make sure I was doing what I was supposed to do. If he saw me walking down the street, where are you going? Making sure I was going somewhere that I should have been going. And he, I always had that. Pops loved me, but Pops wasn't um, hands-on like that. My, my Uncle Willie, my godfather, um, and all these people were just like, you know, you know what, man? This is not for you. That is not for you. I'm not sure what God has in store for you. But mm -hmm. I'm telling you, what you're doing or what you're thinking about doing is not for you. And I was blessed in a sense that I always had somebody um, influencing me in that way. Because if it were up to me, I would have went left every single time, John. I'm just being honest. Um, mm. Because to me, the left left was more lit. It, it, was, it was more exciting. And it wasn't like I didn't have options. I just chose that. You know, I, I, was, I was that kid. And my mom would tell you, um, I'd be like, you know, you might as well spank me now because I'm going to touch this. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know, I, I was just that kind of kid. But um, the things I was longing for, looking for in my pops, uh, I didn't find. And because I could not find those in him, I lashed out in other areas where, like I said before, I was always looking for a fight. And it was always that rev up and what came afterward. And I would do it to exhaustion. And it wasn't like I felt good about winning or losing or anything like that. It was just to exhaustion where I didn't have anything left. Mm. And I, I could laugh. I could cry. I could scream. I could do all that in that moment. And mm. it just looked normal. Yeah. And I think that's um, how I gravitated toward um, boxing after my brother taught me. And I'm, I'm not sure if I've shared this story with you, uh, but my brother was in the military. I spent mm. uh, a few years in Okinawa, Japan. And the thing was, I, I was a knucklehead. I was a fighter. I was all those things. So um, he would wake me up every morning. It's like, you know, I'm getting you in the Muay Thai. It's like, I don't even know what that is. Well, you're going to start boxing. I'm like, okay, big bro, no problem. But I need you to get up and I need you to run until you can't see the base anymore. Mm. If anybody knows Okinawa, it's a beach, pretty much. Mm. There's no, how could you look in any direction and not see this base? Mm. So I would run, I would run, I would dip off into a village here or there, or whatever. And by the time, and this is, you got to remember, this is like the late seventies. So there was before cell phones, before internet, before any of that. So when I got back to the base, he always knew. Well, I know you dipped off here. I'm like, well, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> Probably because I was the only black kid running around, in, in, you know, in Japan. You get yeah. it? So <laughs> it was like they were on cans with, with like the strings, you know, just talking to each other. Um, but by the time, eventually, however many months later, I couldn't tell you how long, I disciplined myself a little bit where I would just get up and go. I would just go and I would go to exhaustion. I forgot about not seeing the base anymore. I would just go into exhaustion, just in tears, crying and, you know, exercising some of the things in which I had on me um, to the point where he got me up one morning. He's like, OK, well, it's time. 
I'm like, time for what? He's like, we're going to start boxing. I had been running so long, man. I forgot that was a soul. I forgot that was the reason we started that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so, wow. Yeah, seriously. But um, I did my thing there, you know, and just getting to know the people and the culture and seeing how from the time they got up in the morning to the time they laid it down at night, they had something productive they were doing. Whether they were working with their hands or individuals or that. But when they had downtime, they were together laughing and having a great time. And mm. I took those things back with me to my old neighborhood when I came back and my neighborhood looked really small. It looked so the streets looked smaller. Everything looked like it was just I I I need to be doing more. And um the the guys who were my so-called boys or friends growing up, I didn't want to hang out with them anymore. And all of a sudden, I became their enemy. So with that, and the thing is, they gave me a pass based on my brothers and, you know, just me growing up in the neighborhood. But the neighborhood just didn't look the same to me. And I didn't want to do the things I was doing anymore, man. So the travels and the connectivity and the people, just people influencing me. And that's how I started on this topic with you just talking just now. That is that that changed my perspective on what you need in your life. You know, you can have a father in your life who's there, but is he present? You, you could have a mother in your life who's there, but is she present? Is she available? Is she speaking love into you? Is she speaking power into your life? Is she praying for you? Is she is she doing any of those things? Because if she's not, I guarantee you there's something out there you're going to find more fulfilling because your needs are not being met. Right. Yeah, man. Yeah. Wow, that's powerful. That's... um. That's quite a, that's like a, that's a good chapter in your book. Yeah. It's, you know, man, but it's, it, it's where I, I don't shy away from anything that I've done. And that's, you know, you and I talked about this, you know, the whole point for me is be transparent because I'm not going to inspire anybody if I'm not, because mm -hmm. people will call you on your stuff. You get it? And yeah. the truth, the truth is always easier to remember. <laughs> so, so with that, man, I'm like, Hey, yeah, I, I did that. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an ex knucklehead. Yes, I did that. Well, how'd that turn out for you? Well, I'm here with you. I'm here <laughs> talking to you now. That is how that turned out. Everything that I've done, everything that I've laid in my path has led me to this point to talking to you. <laughs> that is how that turned out. So for me, that was worth it. That's powerful, man. You know, it, you saying that it, I think one, you probably have many reasons for having started a podcast, but I suspect one of them is this this desire in you, this need in you to try to give guidance or or to uh, give assistance to people that are looking for uh, guidance and mentorship and looking to grow as men, as fathers. Um, I mean, I don't know if your target audience is mostly men, but um, yeah, man, I, I think there is a mandate on us who have gone through things and that we're, we're no longer 20 year old kids. Yeah. And, and we have yeah, yeah. A, a duty to generations behind us to try to the best of our ability to, let's say, be fathers, to, to give mentorship to, and we're not perfect and we're still growing, but um, mm -hmm. just to give a, a helping hand. And that, that's a heavy weight that I, that I feel is, um, I, I feel obligated. You know, I, not, not a lot of guys grew up like I did with a father. And I feel like, well, let me, let me give, let me give what I received for free. Yeah, you know what, man? And um, I, I I was scheduled to do a show yesterday, and um, a guy had to cancel. But I, I I miss his father every single day. His father was the first uh, 
my, my, my introduction into what a real man, not a real man, but a, a balanced man um, should look like in his family life, in his spiritual life, in his personal life, because um, he was never too busy to talk to. He was he was the type to just like, you know, what's going on with you? What's going on with you, nephew? Well, what's happening with you? What's happening here? And anytime I would start with and start talking about someone else, he'd always check me. He's like, no, 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 no. Tell me about you. Okay, well, no, you don't understand, uncle. And she and they, I don't want to hear about she. I don't want to hear about he. I don't want to hear about they. Tell me about you. Because if you're not sleeping well at night, we need to fix that right there. Because no matter what goes on outside of that, you have to get up and go to bed with you every single day. So let's make sure that part of your life is okay. So um, the, the goal, man, would, like you just said, is to help uh, young boys growing up. Because the goal is to be, for, for me, to be the person to whoever I'm talking to that I needed at that age male, female, or, you know, whatever. Um, but it's just to give people an option, let you know, you know, you're not alone. You're not alone. So, and that, that was one of my biggest boggles um, growing up because I always felt that conformity was the answer, mm. but I always had the desire to go against it. That, mm -hmm. was, that was my struggle because I knew it was wrong. I knew some of the stuff was wrong. I shouldn't be here. This doesn't, and I was just so uncomfortable with some of the situations, man. But I didn't, I wasn't strong enough to be like, you know what? I'm out. You know what, man? Y'all, y'all, you can have this. I'm out. And mm. my mom, I used to want to go to these parties. And my mm. mom, would, she wouldn't let me go. So I'd sneak out anyway. And sure enough, I'd sneak out and some bull crap would happen. Sure. Every, every single time, bro. Every single time. And I'd just be like, then I'd get back and I'd be like, Woo, that was a close <laughs> that was a close one. You would think if you had enough of those, you would be like, you know what, Sean? Oh man, you remember how those last 14 turned out. <laughs> this just this this ain't for you. Like, nah, I'll try it this time, it'll be different. That mm. wasn't the case. It just wasn't mm. the case. And so I I, I want to be that that steady thread, that that constant voice that you hear same thing what i do with my clients where you hear me in your sleep mm. you hear me if, if it's helping you that's what i want if you mad be mad at me because i'm not gonna hurt you be right. upset with me be, be disappointed with me i'd rather have you do that with me than you do that with your teachers i'd rather have you do that with me than you do that with your wife i'd rather have you do that with me than you do that at your job mm. because the consequences for those kind of things there are not going to be the same consequences that you have for me. They're not. And, you know, that, that is, that is partly the goal for, for what I do. And I just love connecting people, man. It has very, very little with, with the status or, or the trophies that we get from, from what we do. I just want to connect people because we're all connected in one way or in my opinion, we're all connected in one way or another. We are. I just want to connect people and it has nothing to do with me connecting a psychotherapist to a professional athlete, to an up and coming rapper, to a storyteller and all these people that I have on the show, but they're all connected. And that's why I always want to know, like, man, if you weren't doing what you do now, I ask that question to everybody. Mm. If you did not have to work in your field for another dime, what would you be doing? What would you be doing? I'm, I'm asking you that now, Jonathan, too. Yeah. If you wanted, if you didn't have to work for a dime, what would would you be doing? What you're doing now? 
Yeah, and I, I would be doing be doing a lot more training than I'm currently doing. I mean, with the primal course and the rite of passage, I really, that's kind of where I'm headed more and more. So I love that. And yeah, I would definitely do that for free. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I mean, I'm also a family guy. So it's, I, I'm really passionate about, you know, giving my kids an experience yeah. as a family and as yeah. a father that, so that they, I, I want them to stand on my shoulders. You know, I want, I right. want, I want to build kids that that become trailblazers and and fulfill their mission. And um, part of that is just working to be present while I'm also building my kingdom or my mission. You know, uh, so that's that's a big that's a big part for me, man. Like I watching my kids grow up. My youngest is eight. My oldest is thirteen. And my my wife's you know we've been married fourteen years and just. As a, I, I'm a man on mission, and sometimes the man on mission gets television and he can leave his family kind of in the dust. And yeah. that's always the tension is maintaining family connection, de- depth, and actually knowing each other and loving each other and also building your your, your mission. So talk, talk, talk about that, man. Talk, talk about that balance because I, I, I know I have struggled with that where I think I'm doing – um, everything that I could do for the family, but I, you know, come to realize, Hey man, that the family really had nothing to do with that. That was all me. Um, so talk, talk about, talk about that balance where, where you're not just working just for the sake of working where you think it's fulfilling a need for your family. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's, first off, it's like, you kind of have to check in with yourself almost on a daily basis, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, am I, what's my mission? And am I being the protector and the provider and and the leader that Mm -hmm. my business needs and my family needs? And so I, it's a, it's a daily check-in bro. And a lot of people just don't stop. They don't ever stop and check in. And so like, I check in with my kids, I check in with my wife and I'm like, Hey, like, what do you need? And I'll tell my wife, (laughs) I'll tell my wife point blank, like, Hey, I feel like we haven't connected in a while. Let's, let's go get coffee or let's just go for a walk or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I have to check in with me rather than being in um, kind of in fifth gear all the time. Yeah. For me, it's for yeah. me it's slowing down. Sometimes it's setting as simple as setting alarms mm-hmm. uh, because I do have a tendency to get tunnel vision. You know, um, for me, here's a real simple thing that I do. I shut my phone off a lot. Okay. I literally, I delete apps and shut my phone off and hide mm-hmm. it in a drawer. <laughs> huh. Okay. Um, if you call me, there's a good chance it's going to voicemail and then I'll call you back. It's like, it doesn't rule my life because Mm -hmm. I know that it it has the potential to. So I have to be very weary and on guard with that stuff. And I mean, honestly, like as a, as a God fearing man, which means I revere God doesn't Mm -hmm. mean I'm scared of God. I basically, I believe when I, when I'm, my life is over, I will be, my personal view is that my kids are on loan. Yeah. 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 Right. I'm basically, I, you know, I knew, I know how to have sex. I don't know how to make babies. (laughs) Um, So, (laughs) and they're on loan, man. And it's like, I'm the manager for now. Right. Right. Like, how am I managing my children? (laughs) And my wife's on loan. Yeah. And my body, my temple is on loan. Yeah. And I want to give to the best of my ability, man. I'm not perfect, bro. You know, but I want to give that, I want to give that my best shot. Right. And so that, that requires some, some intention. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, we 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 don't own anything. I agree with that one hundred percent. I mean, many a day I remember thanking God for like loaning me my my boys. <laughs> well, Sean, I will I will say this, bro. I get clients too. See, being a therapist, I hear people's secrets every day, mm-hmm. and and you can learn you can learn from other people's mistakes. Yeah, so right. it's very it's very common that I got a guy that I'm talking with, and he's like, bro, for the last I've built I've built as a man, I built my mission, I built my business, whatever. I'm a CEO or whatever. And like, my family doesn't like me anymore. Mm, ouch. It's like, my wife doesn't want to be with me. And it's like, ouch. basically you sacrifice yeah. your family yeah. at the, at the altar of money, at the altar of status and keeping up with the Joneses, you sacrificed your family. Cause you, you wanted to be top dog alpha. And it's like, bro, maybe you missed the mark. Yeah. But I want you to take, I want you to have a mission and I want you to crush it. And I want you to take territory. That's, that's good. I think you should, especially if you're a, a virtuous man, I think you, right. you don't, someone else is, so you might as, might as well be you. But I think it's, it's that when we talk about balance, it's like, can you be that savage servant? Can you be the, the loving present father, husband, and also be the loving present go-getter guy in the workplace or in the career that you're in and and so yeah man that that takes um intention yeah I'm, and that's that's you know i'm hearing you man and i've been i've been there i've been there where it's just like i, I seem to be losing the person i care about the most but it i'm not sure why <laughs> i i feel i i i i feel i'm doing what i should be doing in this moment in this realm i i feel and you know and when i started hearing myself speak about that out loud there was no other person in that conversation except me Mm. so how and me asking you how somebody who's in the midst of that not where it's gone to the point where their mate doesn't like them anymore but you're in the midst of that and you feel that it's it's, that it's pulling you away How, how do you stop and get that back how how do you get what what specifically like, like back? That, yeah, the, the the connection that you have with somebody, you know. Yeah. How how do you get that back? You know, you can you're in a relationship. You guys are doing your thing together. Um, you're working hard, trying to build a life for your family, for your wife, for those things. But you you hear it in their voice where it's just like dad's not the same. Dad's yeah. not available anymore. How do you get that? How how do you stop that and get that back? Somebody who's in, in that frame of mind, that that mode to just work. Yeah. Um, a, a couple thoughts. One is um, I'll give you a scenario. So like you've got it. This is a common scenario. You got a, a, a dad who works a lot because he wants to provide for his loved ones. Mm-hmm. And so his, his heart's in the right place. And that's the way that's one of the ways he shows that he loves them is he's a, he's a provider. Right. It doesn't mean they live in a mansion, but he's he's making sure they eat and they've got shelter. Right. Um, and that's one of his ways of saying, I love you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but <clears throat> there's there's five different love languages. Yeah. Right. So your kid, if your kid is a quality time. Love language. Yeah. And you're not around that much because you're working. Although mm-hmm. you're providing food on the table and shelter, your kid's longing for quality time with you, which is like intentional time, typically one-on-one or in a small setting and mm-hmm. full, full attention and shared experience. Mm-hmm. If they're not getting that, they know logically you love them, but they don't feel in their heart that you love them. Right. And wow, the goal man. is that they feel in their heart that, yeah. that, that this dad loves me. It's the same with your spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, 
if you are like case in point, I'm, I'm, I'm Hispanic. My family's very touchy, lovey dovey. My, my mom pinches <laughs> my butt my dad <laughs> on the cheek. You know, we hug as, as we say, I love you almost right. every 10 minutes. Well, I married my wife and her family's relatively stoic. Mm. They don't, they don't really hug. Um, they don't really say I love you that much. Mm-hmm. And, and then I got married to her and it, she was, she, she wouldn't like hold my hand or sit close to me on the couch or, mm. uh, and it was like, I was like, dude, she doesn't like me. Mm. I felt like, I felt like she didn't love me. Right. And to, and they began to learn that I'm, I'm very heavy on physical touch and, right. and words of affirmation being affirmed verbally. And mm-hmm. she's very big on acts of service. So when I serve her or wash the dishes or take the garbage out, she feels loved. Mm. When I spend quality time with her, like just me and her and we're catching up and connecting, she feels loved and cherished. Uh, and I'm, you know, I, although I appreciate those things, I'm, I'm very heavy on verbal and very heavy on physical touch. That's my target. So yeah. sometimes people miss each other because they think, here's the thing I want your listeners to hear. People f- tend to think other people are like them and they're mm-hmm. not. Yeah. They're different. Yeah. And we treat, you tend to treat other people like they're just like us and they're just different. They're like aliens and you have to mm-hmm. learn their languages. Mm. And that's how you connect. Yeah. Oh man. I, I, I love that. I love that. And I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, and and I feel like I'm repeating that because I want to just like get it. So somebody who's like that, and then, you know, um, someone who's words of affirmation versus physical touch versus acts and that kind of thing. How hard is that? You know, just speaking from experience, because you think that you doing, you want to treat people the way you need, you want to be treated. You want, you love on people typically the way you like to have love expressed to you. Right. How do you just like, you know what, man, this is not what they need. What, what, what steps would you take to just like, you know what, I, I, I need to take me out of the equation right now because these are not the steps that she needs. Yeah. Where would you start? Well, um, I mean, you know, p- people are simple, but they're also complex. And that's mm-hmm. why I think everybody would just, if, if they don't have the time to read the love languages, watch a couple of YouTube videos on it and just learn a little bit about some people are like this and some people are like this. And then you have to kind of try to figure out what your loved one's love languages are. And then you try to hit that target as often as you can. It's like, imagine, imagine everybody's got like a a coffee mug inside their chest and your job (laughs) is to try to fill it. Your job is every day to try droplets into the tank, into the coffee mug. And the, the more you do that, the more they fill up. Yeah. And instead of waiting for years to get full, which is hard, because a lot of times people go, well, if you love me first, then I'll love you. Mm. And it's like, well, if you're if, if, if we're speaking specifically to fathers, it's like, mm-hmm. dude, um, no, I, I have to pour into my children. I'm the older one. I'm the one with more life experience. I'm their dad. They're the children. I have to bend and, 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 and give. I'm, a, I'm to offer my strength on behalf of others. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and in so doing, you know, when a kid's loved people who are loved, well, have mm. something in the tank to give. Yeah. True. Right. People who That's aren't true. loved don't have, how are they going to give empty? They can't. And, yeah. and to take it, you know, further, I, I mean, I, bro, I, I think God is real and we need, I need the, I need to connect with God to receive mm. sustenance yeah. so that then I can give from that place. Yeah. Wow. Right. 
It's like yeah. the fuel. It's like I need the proper fuel because if God is love, he's not – that's not like a feature of God. God literally he is, is love. love. Right. Then I need to connect with love so that I can actually give love. And For a lot of guys, that can sound weird, and, and, and it used to sound weird to me too, bro. I used to hear that, and I'd go, dude, that sounds like effeminate, and I don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> I'm like, God that. loves me. He wants to kiss me. It's like that. I don't want that. Jesus <laughs> is my boyfriend. I don't want a boyfriend. Right? Jesus <laughs> is my boyfriend. Grosses me out. I don't want that. No, love. Love is sacrificial. Yeah. If I love you, bro, I will. Yeah. I will take a bullet for you. Yeah, that's right, man. I get. If that. I love you, bro, I will lay down my life for you. That's yeah. love. Love is not some hot, fuzzy, warm emotion. It may include that, mm. but. It's primarily action and it's primarily an act of sacrifice and service. Yeah, it's a verb. I agree. It's an action. It's a verb. Yeah, so I if you think it. of love through those terms, okay, I, I do want to, bro, I, I want to be a warrior. And warriors mm -hmm. sacrifice themselves on behalf of others. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, man, we, we definitely going to have to do a part one and part two. So I'm, I'm <laughs> like, you know what, bro? There's so much I want to touch. I want to touch on, you know, you as a blogger. I want to touch on the, 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 the primal thing. I want to touch on you and, you know, having, you know, you being a girl dad, but fostering 13 boys. Um, yes. That, man, bro, that that speaks strength and into, and, and you know, just you as a person. Because I, I'm serious. I, I couldn't imagine. I, I can't imagine. I mean, no, I, I mean, taking nothing away from that and not calling myself weak. That's not what I'm saying. But mm -hmm. that is definitely, man, that, that right there, bro, kudos to you for that. And hey, whether man. they're passing through for whatever reason, just to have the, the gall to just be like, you know what, man, this is what I want to do. And, you know, for you and the Missy to get on board with that together and be like, okay, well, this is what, these are the lives we're going to touch. These are the ones that are coming through. That is, is a whole show in itself. Yeah, it probably could be. I got a lot of stories. Let's do this again, brother, if you don't mind. I'd love to, man. Just hit me up. Let me know. I got you. We're going to check in, man. We're going to talk about your book. We're going to talk about all those other things. That's what I'm saying. I'm going I'm to divvy this up and edit it where there's a part one and there's a part two. Okay. Yeah, let's do cool? it, man. All I good. appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you. Be safe in Florida, okay? You too, Sean. Thanks, right, buddy. Brother. You're welcome, man. Bye. Peace. You've been listening to me and the crew with your host, Sean E. Leverett, and special guest on Domesticated Therapist, Jonathan Rios. Please listen, like, share, follow, and subscribe on your preferred platform to receive our content first.